a blessed super day um wherever you're picking this message from my dear friend praise the lord uh, my name is Reverend david kagwa that is reaching you the message of christ uh, to his glory a uh, blessed blessed and uh, wonderful day i want to pray that you you'll be well and uh, that is my my prayer and genuine hope and but but for some of you that may be struggling with one uh, situation or the other i really really want to pray that the lord will intervene and surely take you through every situation in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, let us uh, get into prayer, and then we shall head straight into the message that we have today. Uh, Father, King of glory, we want to bless you, and uh, we worship you because of who you are. It is your son Solomon that prays in First Kings chapter 8, and he says that you are highly exalted, uh, that uh, there is no one, uh, there is no God that is like you. And Father, we still believe the same way even today. In every situation, you remain God. I know there are situations and challenges that come our way that torment us, and we still want to, in one way or the other, believe that you are God, and that is what it is. It will not change. I pray for everyone that is struggling with uh, situations, challenges, questions, burdens of life, even as we pray that may your hand of glory be bestowed upon them and take them through every situation that they are facing right now. But above all, we pray in focus, uh, just like you want to speak unto us through the message that we have today, that we shall seek to live a life that uh, Lord glorifies you. And in the process, we shall live a life where we, uh, you, we, we delight you in everything that we do. This is our prayer, King of glory. I pray that we shall have a perfect start uh, in everything that we are doing. And we shall desire to be appreciated by you and not just men. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed and believed. Amen. Amen. Uh, yes, friend, today I'm reminded of, um, uh, you know, our kindergarten days, our nursery days. Now, for those of you that... Uh, did nursery school. They are very bright children that did not have to go to nursery school. <laughs> they simply went to a primary and they did well. And they did well. But I remember those nursery days. And uh, for some people, even lower primary, uh, in, in lower primary, you you remember those speech days that uh, you are doing those crazy and phenomenal dances and your parents are, you know, clapping and laughing away and they are humming and you're like, yes, I'm the man. Uh, it, it is. It takes time, and later when you you grow up, you get to realize that they were not laughing because you were phenomenal after all. They were probably laughing because you were simply funny. Maybe you danced out of tune, uh, and maybe uh, you know you were out of rhythm, or maybe you simply put up your own dance only that it wasn't copyrighted or something of that nature. But at that particular time, you are feeling nice because you feel like you're being appreciated. Friends, every single person wants to be appreciated. You know, when you go to this guy, he's called Maslow. Uh, you remember in your um, economics, there's what you call the Maslow's typology of needs. You, you, you get to realize that each and every single person has a need to belong. You want to be appreciated, therefore, in the process, in one way or the other. Today, we don't just want to talk about uh, being appreciated by fellow man, but want to talk about a life that glorifies the Lord or a life that delights the Lord, a life that delights the Lord or a life that the Lord appreciates. That is what we want to be talking about in a short time. Our passage of focus is First uh, uh, Kings uh, chapter 3, and I'm going to be taking it from verse uh, 3. 
You remember that yesterday we were looking at a message that uh, uh, was entitled Complete Surrender or Total Surrender. Uh, we looked at uh, Total Surrender yesterday and basically our focus was uh, looking at uh, Solomon uh, seeking the Lord. And uh, we say that when you basically look at the way that he started out, you get to realize that it was quite a good start, but it fundamentally had, um, you know, a, a rupture in the foundation. It had the rupture in the foundation. Why? Because we saw Solomon reaching out to Pharaoh and uh, marrying Pharaoh's daughter. And we basically explained that that um, ideally pointed to an alliance that Solomon was uh, looking at uh, conjuring in between him and Pharaoh, which basically would have meant that he wasn't totally putting his trust in the Lord. That is the right interpretation uh, right there. But today we are looking at a life that delights the Lord. Who of us wouldn't have wanted to live a life that delights the Lord, the sort of life uh, that Job lived, the sort of life that David lived? Now, I'm not um, speaking this uh, in any way uh, to insinuate to the point that everything that David did was perfect, but I'm simply saying ideally a uh, fundamental on the wall um, and the, the net value of the life that David lived was one that glorified the Lord, people of that nature. So that is what we want to look at here briefly, and then we'll be good to go. First Kings chapter 3, verse 3 is um, our passage. It says here, Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father, David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the local places of worship. Uh, the most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask, and I'll give it to you. Solomon replied, You showed great faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you've continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O oh Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know um, his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern these great people of yours? Verse 10, God's response. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life, or wealth or the death of your enemies i'll give you what you asked for i'll give you a wise and understanding heart as such as no one else has had or ever will have that statement right there is phenomenal i praise at the lord jesus christ now friends basically verse 9 and 10 our key verses of focus are where solomon goes to the lord and he asks of him um, uh, wisdom uh, to be granted unto him. And the Lord in response says uh, that because you've asked for wisdom and not the lives of your enemies, no wealth, no a long life, you've really done well. Praise the Lord. So the Lord was delighted uh, by Solomon 
And this is where it really matters, friends. You know, you, you get home and uh, your wife wants you to be there and uh, she's happy because you're spending the whole day at home and uh, she's really overjoyed because of that thing. She's delighted. There are so many things that are going to warm up and delight your soul. You've had a loan for a long time and you finally settled it. How do you feel on that particular day? You're delighted. You, you see that? You're going to go to uh, probably um, a friend and he says, you know what, I'm making a donation of 10 million shillings. <laughs> I know there are many that will say, but Leverand, uh, you're not get, going to get those kind of things in these days given the um, the, 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 the economic barometer and uh, the temperature that we have right now. Yes, I understand, but when that kind of, of opportunity comes, you're going to be delighted in your heart. But right now, the Lord is delighted with Solomon because he's doing the right thing. We want to see what is it that Solomon did that delighted the Lord. Of course, the fact notwithstanding that uh, he actually had uh, a start that wasn't, um, or that had uh, some weakness uh, embedded within it, just like we saw yesterday. But to begin with, my dear friend, you're going to realize that ideally to begin with, uh, the reason that Solomon delighted the Lord was the fact that initially Solomon had a relationship with the Lord. And because of that relationship, you're going to realize that it kind of impressed it upon him um, to get to understand that there was nothing that was going to be able to do on his own without submitting unto the Lord. Now, when he went to the Lord in prayer and uh, totally submitted himself and yielded himself unto the Lord, this was something that uh, um, totally delighted the Lord. Uh, now, to begin with, you're going to have to look at a statement here in First Kings chapter 2, the very last verse, which is verse 46. The Bible says, Then at the king's command, Beniah, a son of Jehoiada, took Shimei outside and killed him. So the kingdom was now firmly in Solomon's grip. You hear that? As Solomon uh, began his career uh, or his reign, you get to see that his kingdom was ideally established uh, when he started out well. Now, if someone is lopsided at that particular point, what they are going to do is they're going to be like, ah, who needs the Lord after all? I'm finally established. That is what um, you're going to realize initially. That is something that Solomon does that was very, very good. I want to uh, quote an instance that is in uh, um, Second Chronicles chapter 26, uh, verse 15 and 16. This is about a king that was called Uzziah. Uzziah started out well and uh, walked out well and mapped out his uh, life well and uh, he ordered his steps very well after the Lord. But the Bible says, until he was strengthened. You see, there are so many of us, the moment we are in trouble, we are so very much into the Lord and we are after him. But the moment our lives are set free and we feel we are okay, what is going to actually happen is uh, that uh, oftentimes we forget about the Lord. You see, uh, let me just do this passage very quickly because we have a lot to unpack uh, today. In Second um, Chronicles chapter 26, let me do it from verse 15. Let me take it from verse 15. The Bible says, And he built structures on the walls of Jerusalem, designed by experts to protect those who shot arrows and held large stones. He's speaking of the consolidation of his leadership um, or his reign. From the towers and corners of the wall, his fame spread far and wide for 
the Lord gave him marvelous help and he became very powerful. Now listen to verse 16. <laughs> the Bible says here, but when he had become powerful, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. He sinned against the Lord his God by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally becoming a burning incense on the incense altar. Azariah the high priest went in after him with 80 other priests of the Lord, all brave men. They confronted King Uzziah and said, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is the work of the priests alone, the descendants of Aaron, who are set apart for this work. Get out of the sanctuary, for you've sinned. The Lord God will not honor you for this. Uzziah, who was holding an incense banner, became furious. But as he was standing there, raging at the priests before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy suddenly broke out on his forehead. What? You realize that? My point is simple there. Oftentimes when we are not doing well, there is a way that we run to the Lord and we keep telling him, but my father, if you give me a job, I'm going to give you my first salary. If you give me that job, you know, I'm going to honor you. I will never miss giving an, an offering in church. <laughs> in church. Lord, if you get me married, I tell you, I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to love you much more deeper than I'm doing right now. And for many people on the very day of introduction, they do not even play a single gospel song to give God thanks, not at all. They go right ahead and all the music they are doing is basically secular. And you look for anything that is Christian about that function and you can't see it. Usually it is in human, it is in foreign human nature that we kind of get to, uh, you know, depend on, on the Lord or crave for him, make promises here and there, left, right and center. But oftentimes when he comes through for us, what actually is going to happen is that you're going to find that we are downplaying him and oftentimes forget about him. I mean, how many of us have been through trouble and probably you've made a mistake in life and when you are in the middle of the fray, when you're in the middle of the fire, you're like, Lord, I'll never do this again. But the moment the Lord sets you free and you're out of danger, then what happens? <laughs> you forget about everything that you've been, you know, facing and the danger into which we are sandwiched. That is basically what happens. But when you look at Solomon, the reason the Lord was really pleased with him, he could have had a reason to say, uh -uh, my kingdom is basically established. Because what that statement actually means is uh, that Solomon had uh, basically dealt with uh, all opposition to his reign. You remember by that point, at this point, uh, Joab had been killed. Um, Adonijah, who was a challenger to the throne, had been killed. Shimei had been killed. And so many other people that were antagonistic to his kind of reign, particularly uh, uh, Adonijah. So he should have said, I'm okay. Woohoo! Let us go to Hawaii, to the Bahamas, and just enjoy ourselves, you see? But he, he, he kind of uh, got stuck on the Lord and he sought him out in prayer. Now, the the... The weight of this message actually lies ahead where in the thing that um, Solomon basically did. Um, what Solomon does here that goes right ahead to delight the Lord was um, Solomon dedicating himself to the Lord and basically surrendering unto the Lord and saying, you know what, I am nothing without you. You can see that I'm young and my father was 
a man that had a magnanimous reign and was you know a wonderful a wonderful and a wise leader and i don't know how i'm going to be able to to do this on my own and he, in other words he was basically saying lord you know what without you I've, I've i've lost it that is what he basically meant but how did solomon do it solomon basically did it in prayer and that is what we want to do that is what we want to look at now if we go to verse 4 which was uh, our verse of departure today actually that was verse 3 but if you go to verse 4 and uh, the bible says here that um it says or let me take it from verse 3 solomon loved the lord and followed all the decrees of his father david except that solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the local places of worship the most important of these places of worship was at kibion and so the king went there and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings that night the lord appeared to solomon in the dream and god said what do you want ask and i will give it to you now a few things to unpack here for us to get to understand now god is speaking about a high place now he's calling it uh, nlot calls it um, a place or a local place of worship but ideally it is called a high place um uh, a, a high place or raised place in most of uh, the translations what was happening here what was here at gibeon now what we call the tent of meeting was at gibeon at that particular point and usually where the tent of meeting was would be where the brazen altar would be or the altar of bronze now you need to appreciate this fact that in those days people were not worshiping the way that we worship today you really really need to appreciate that and the more you acknowledge that is the more you'll appreciate what the lord jesus christ has done for us now listen to me here what actually happened then was that the holy spirit was not a permanent resident in our lives he wasn't he came and went for particular assignments when god appointed particular people like you see in the case of Ohoriab, Bezalel, um, men like David, like God wants you to accomplish a particular assignment, that is when you get to realize the Bible says, and now the Spirit of God came with power upon Samson. The Spirit of the Lord came up upon um, Saul and he started prophesying. That is what actually was happening. You didn't particularly have the Holy Spirit in your life on a 24-7 basis not at all secondly the only way that uh, you basically worship the lord then was uh, to uh, just go to um that tent of meeting because it was first the tent of meeting or the tabernacle maybe the tabernacle is even a better theological word it was the tent of meeting or tabernacle and later the temple uh, where people went to worship and uh, the type of worship those days was uh, basically sacrificing there were about five types of sacrifices you can find this in the book of leviticus you have uh, the, the, the the sacrifice of burnt offerings you are the the, the, the peace offerings you, you had um the drink offering you had um the sin offering uh, you, you see uh, those kind of things now when there was an issue between you and god maybe you had sinned you had to go and uh, you give that sin offering uh, you, you, you see if you simply wanted to dedicate yourself you had to go and give the peace offering that is what was happening you could not do it on your own you went to the levites the levites did it uh, you, you, you see that now those days um the tabernacle was in a place called gibeon 
And uh, that is where the brazen altar was. And this is where Solomon went. And that was the reason that he had to go. That is the reason that he had to go. Now, the story here is uh, that when he had given or when he had offered uh, these things, the Lord later came in the night and he asked him and he said, um, ask for anything and I'll give it unto you. Now, Solomon got a blank check and he could have said anything, anything. He could have said anything, just like many people give us that kind of impression in our day, which is actually not right, just like we are going to say here to explain in detail. What Solomon actually goes right ahead to do was that when he was before the Lord, he said, Lord, give me, in verse 9, because I'm young and you've given me a big task here of leading your holy people, um, give me a, a, a wise hand, give me a spirit of wisdom, just give me the spirit of wisdom upon my life, and this delighted the Lord. It really, really, really delighted the Lord. And praise the name of the living Savior. Now, friends, why was the Lord so delighted about this? The Lord was delighted simply because Solomon prayed the right way. Now, someone could have said, but he asked for wisdom and he was king. Yeah, he asked for wisdom and not just uh, for any other reason. Let me just show you the response that God makes here in verse 10. The Lord says, uh, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for uh, long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I'll give you what you asked for. I'll give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I'll also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. Now listen to me here, my dear friend. The way that Solomon delighted with the Lord was through prayer. He asked for the right thing. Friends, basically what I'm going to be unpacking for the rest of the time that I have here that is not actually much is that if you're going to delight the Lord, you definitely are going to, one, start with a relationship in your life having a relationship with God in your life, a personal, passionate relationship. And then too, it's going to be incumbent upon you to get to understand the will of the Lord for your life. And when you understand the will of the Lord for your life, that is what you're going to ask for. And when you do that, the Lord is going to be delighted with you. He'll be delighted indeed. And that is why most of our prayers or many of our prayers are not answered because oftentimes we go after our own desires and that is what we are pumping away at uh, the Lord and we tell him but now this and the other. Now for so many people they really are going to find it hard uh, to believe that Solomon is someone that actually knew the Lord. I know that he messed up big time but if you do a chronological and systematic study you get to realize that actually Solomon loved the Lord. Let me just show you something here in a uh, um, first Chronicles and chapter 28 and verse 6. First Chronicles 28 and verse 6. Let me just go to that and uh, let us see what the Lord Himself says of Solomon in first Chronicles chapter 26, 28 and verse 6. Um, here, uh, this is what He actually says. Let me take it from verse 5. The Bible says, Because of all this, the Lord 
his God allowed king of Aram to defeat Ahaz. Uh, forgive me, that is 2 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 6. The Bible says here that... Um, um, he says here, let me take it from verse 5. And uh, from among my sons, for the Lord has given me many. He chose Solomon to succeed me on the throne of Israel and to rule over the Lord's kingdom. He said to me, your son Solomon will build my temple uh -huh, and his courtyards. For I have chosen him as my son and I will be his father. You, you hear that? Now, if the Lord speaks of you in that way, that means that uh, you actually have a relationship with him in one way or the other. You get to see that? So Solomon was one that was loved of the Lord, and uh, Solomon definitely had a relationship with the Lord. I want to accept that he actually messed up big time, but when you look at um, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, uh, you get to realize that as uh, Solomon was aging and growing into an old man, he actually got back to his... Uh, senses and uh, he loved the Lord. He really did. In uh, um, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse um, 13, the Bible says, um, that is the whole story. Uh, this is not a very good translation. Today I'm using NLT. No, I'm, I, I'm using NLT. Uh, it's not a bad Bible, but I prefer NIV because here NIV would have said, now this is the conclusion of the matter. Yeah. That is what it would have said. And now this one says, that is the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Okay, he does it in some way. Fear God and obey his commands. For this is everyone's duty. You hear that? God will judge us for everything we do, including every sacred thing, whether good or bad. Now, that is not a person that is still messing with women. He must have gotten to a point. This is why actually he writes in Ecclesiastes, and he says all of this is what? Vanity and uh, uh, chasing after the wind. He actually got back to his senses. Now, why am I getting into the relationship that Solomon had with God? Because it is fundamental to understanding this uh, message here. Now, because Solomon had a relationship with God, this is why he took off time and he goes to God and he simply says, you know what, Daddy? I need you. I really need you. I cannot do this on my own. Friends, if we are going to delight the Lord in any way, we are going to start by cultivating a very good and deep, passionate relationship with the Lord. There are so many of us that go to church and church is not in us. You see that? So many people think that a mere attendance of church is going to do the magic. No. God is looking for a relationship. That is what he's looking for. Especially when it comes to prayer that I'm basically going to be addressing you about uh, me inclusive actually what the spirit of god is going to be addressing us about for the rest of the part of this message solomon had a relationship with god and this is why he finds it um you know within himself he finds himself inadequate without um having gone to the lord this is why he actually went over there and he said god you know what i can't do it on my own friends let me tell you there are times that you get to and uh, you feel like within you you have some kind of chasm you have some kind of chasm within you you have some kind of vacuum okay you feel like you're you're empty you're, you 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 have a longing within you to be filled 
You have the money that you've been longing for, you've been paid, and you probably have gotten that land that has been disturbing you for some time. Everything is okay, humanly speaking, but when you get to search your heart within yourself, you get to feel that there is something wrong. Friends, we were made and crafted to depend on God. We're made to have our living off the Lord. We are like fish in water. You separate a fish from water, it is dead. We are like a plant um, in soil. We separate it from soil and it is gone. Of course, I know you're going to speak of uh, uh, these, uh, um, the, 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 you know, modern technology that grows stuff on uh, um, these other materials that, that, that they make. But ideally, we are speaking of the ideal, which ideally makes more sense than uh, everything else. You see, that, that, that is basically what it is. But of course, somehow you're going to find that it will still have to somehow uh, depend on the soil in one way or the other. So that is that. Now, friends, for many of us, the problem is that when we go to the Lord and we are asking for something, you're going to follow your own desire. Desires, that is what we are following. God, give me this. Lord, give me the other. Give me this. This is why oftentimes our prayer life doesn't delight the Lord. <laughs> I remember going to, I think I must have been around P4, must have been around P4, and you're very hungry. You remember those times when you remember the meat that you had over Christmas, and the balance was, <laughs> you know, poured over to the right fish bin. You remember those times when uh, you had to get this um, hard, hard layer of rice and just throw it away? Eh? We call it membe. That hard um, layer that comes at the bottom of uh, the saucepan, because we had uh, plenty of food over Christmas or Easter. Uh, you remember those days? You go to school and you're like, I remember that food. Now, sincerely, I'm hungry right now. <laughs> you remember that? Th th those days, and then I would get into prayer and I'm like, now, God, uh, please send me a very, very big jackfruit. Uh, so big that it fills the world of people with my name written on it. <laughs> you, you, you see that? There is a lot of selfishness in that kind of prayer. Now, why would you want a jackfruit that fills people and uh, yet you want your name on it? You don't want anyone to get involved in any way. Of course, I would wait, and up to now, I'm still waiting. God doesn't answer those kind of prayers. He doesn't. Many of us are basically praying the wrong way. You're going to realize that ideally when we speak of prayer, we are speaking of a passionate, spirit-led relationship between a believer and their God uh, manifested through or that is done through want, um, repentance, exhortation of the Lord, thanksgiving, and then supplications. Basically, that is what prayer is. It is a relationship. It is spirit-led, a relationship of communication. Yeah? Um, that is spirit-led between a believer and a who and the Lord Himself. That is done through um, repentance, exhortation, and um, repentance, exhortation, and um, we are speaking of uh, thanksgiving and then supplication. For most of us, prayer is basically supplication. God, me, 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 me. You only pray for three people: uh, me, myself, and maybe I. Basically, that is what we are looking at. God, just give me this, give me the other, give me that all the time. Basically, that is what we are doing. Uh, you, you see that? There is a big problem with that kind of attitude. And this is why oftentimes God doesn't get to answer our prayers. But let me show you something in a, um, 2 Chronicles chapter 22 and verse 9. The Lord says that it was Solomon that God had appointed to be king 
and actually in Second Chronicles 28 and verse 5, he says he had appointed him to be king in the place of David. Now when Solomon comes and is praying for his kingship and is praying for wisdom in his kingship, he is not saying anything foreign to what God wants. You see? He's not making any foreign claim to the will of God. No, he is ideally praying in line with the will of the Lord. Now, many of our prayers and our prayer lives do not delight the Lord. Why? Because we simply are seeking out our own desires. But God, that guy has persecuted me for way too long. I pray that when he's driving, his car will roll seven times, meaning completeness, and may the guy not come out. Let them understand. Now, God, those guys are disturbing us with our land. They come and do witchcraft over there. I pray that you show them your power with your hand. Just kill them. Kill them in their sleep. Kill them when they are riding. Kill them. <laughs> there are people who pray like that. You understand that? The word of the Lord teaches us that we should love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. You remember that? Matthew speaks about that in Matthew 5, 43 onwards. Romans chapter 12 also speaks about it. And from verse 18, he really does. Now, you get to realize that in the first place, um, Solomon here was actually praying the heart and will of God because it was the will of God that Solomon would be the king that would succeed David. That is the issue. Now, for many of us that are praying for things, yeah, uh, uh, is the Lord into that, ideally? God, you know, I, I think this man doesn't love me anymore. Just give me two men that are going to take care of me, one for my needs and one for my development. Really? <laughs> you see that? Some of us that are close with our bosses, you start praying the guy out of office or you start hating him in one way or the other. You don't do that. You don't. But that is what most of our prayer lives um, are like. Uh, you understand that? There is a passage in John chapter 15 in verse 7 that teaches and says, if my word dwells in you and, uh, and you in me, then pray for anything and I shall give it unto you. Now, today we are living in a generation where we pastors are teaching you that you, you, you basically, God has given you a blank check and you basically simply have to ask for anything that you want and God is going to do it. Excuse me? Then does he remain God? Or is there a need for us to pray if God is basically just going to give you anything that you like? That is not the true biblical position. Yeah? John 15, 7 has said that if you dwell in me and my word dwells in you. Then ask for anything that you need and I shall do it or it shall be given unto you. What he actually means is that if my word dwells in you, in other words, if I dwell in you, then it will not be hard for you to be able to understand the will of the Lord. You see, it won't be hard for you to get to understand the will of the Lord. And when you do and, and pray for the will of the Lord, then it's not going to be hard for you to receive that. Why? Because you're basically praying the heart of God. You ask, asking the Lord of what he, he actually has revealed to you, that he actually wants to do it in your life. I, I know we love First John chapter 5 and verse 14, um, but just listen to what it says. It says here, and we are confident that he hears us wherever we ask for anything that pleases him. And here I love NLT. Yeah? And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. 
And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that we will give that he will give us whatever we ask for. That is the proper context. Now, you're not just going to get anything, but he says he hears us when we ask for anything that pleases him. I'm not going to tell God now, you know, God, ah, now, now you see, uh, th this guy has been an enemy and a pain in my, in my ministry. Just kill him. Just kill him. Someone prays now, God, look at them. My, my mother's co-wives, they are disturbing her. Please go right ahead and kill them. God doesn't do that kind of thing. And this is where you don't need to get scared about people that are cursing you and, uh, you, you know, bad-mouthing you or uh, probably uh, people, when people claim that that guy, when he prays for you in the wrong way, then you're going to get hurt. Nonsense. That kind of stuff is not biblical. You just get to see that Solomon didn't pray for a long life, didn't pray for wealth, didn't pray against the lives of his enemies. But you can see that God said, I'm going to give you everything else that you didn't actually ask for since you prayed the right way. You know? It is the prerogative of God to reach out unto our lives and to give us in accordance with His will. God is not going to give you because you're so, uh, so much of a prayer warrior and you're so powerful in your prayer life. Not at all. God is seeking for people that will be in tune and in sync with His will in our lives. As long as you're walking in holiness, even if someone curses you and says, I pray that we shall die in an accident, they are simply wasting their time. I don't see why you should get worried about them in the first place. Because if they are praying, they expect the Lord to respond. And if you want the Lord to respond, how is he going to go against his word? So friends, that is the thing that I wanted us to uh, get to realize out of that passage. What is it that is uh, in your life, my dear friend, today? What is it that you're praying for? Why are you not delighting the Lord in one way or the other? How are we failing to delight the Lord? You find that sometimes we are praying, but we don't even have a relationship with the Lord. It is not a passionate one. We are not connected with him. But then we go to church and we think this is going to change things. Secondly, we pray the way that we like. Give me that promotion. Get that man out of that position. Why is it that God must hurt others to benefit you? Can't God bless all of us? Why must he simply hurt others? That is a, 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 a prayer full of jealous that you are, um, you know, um, propagating in that direction. My prayer is today that we shall seek to be delight, uh, to be people that delight the Lord, to be delightful unto the Lord, that we shall seek to be that. And one way that we are learning to do that is praying through, um, um, praying the right way through the Lord. Now, finally, Solomon went to the tabernacle. The word tabernacle in uh, in uh, um, both in uh, in um, in 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 Hebrew and uh, in uh, Greek means a, a a deep, powerful presence. Yeah, um, an exaggerated presence. That is what it means. Now Solomon went to the tabernacle to pray, and there was an altar uh, of uh, bronze for him to offer his um, um, sacrifices. But today I want to tell you that uh, you don't have to go to the outer, uh, that physical outer anymore. Neither do you have to go to a physical tabernacle uh, because the Lord promises to dwell with his people. That is what he actually promises. Now let me tell you, the tabernacle, a time came and, and uh, in First Kings, the Ark of the Covenant was carried into um, the temple uh, that Solomon had constructed 
and the tabernacle and the altar the brazen altar was put in the courtyard before the uh, temple and then uh, the golden altar was inside there and uh, uh, you know the priests were doing daily ministry in there but you realize that these were mere pointers to what god actually wanted to do if you go to hebrews chapter 9 in verse 11 actually for you to get the proper perspective you need to do the whole chapter but i don't have time right now to be doing the entire chapter but uh, if you come to uh, hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11 here the lord speaks of um, jesus christ as having replaced all these things in verse 11 of chapter 9 in hebrews the Bible says so christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come he has entered that greater more perfect tabernacle in heaven which was not made by human hands and is not a part of this created world with his own blood not the blood of gods and calves he entered the most holy place once for all a time and secured our redemption forever under the old system the blood of gods and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity just think how much more the blood of christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we may awaken worship the living god for by the power of the eternal spirit christ offered himself to god as a perfect sacrifice for our sins that is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant and so on and so forth the point i wanted to make here was or is that solomon actually went to the tabernacle and uh, there was a, a brazen altar there but today friend you want to see from hebrews here that actually when jesus christ came he overwrote he overwrote the reality of the tabernacle in the old testament and the temple for that matter that came and replaced the tabernacle and what actually happens is that when christ jesus died he went into heaven into the holy of holies into the real tabernacle and he was able to deal with our sins once and for all which were blocking our access to the lord and now he has opened up a way so we can directly get to the lord especially even when we are praying praise the lord when the lord was on um, um the cross in matthew 27 50 later on um what we get to see is that uh, the curtain that was in um, the temple in the holy of holies basically was ripped open meaning that the, now there was access to each and every single person that puts their faith and trust in christ jesus and that is how we are able to go to the lord and launch our bids and get to pray in line with his will because he has opened up a way through christ jesus in the name of the lord jesus christ solomon went to gibeon you don't have to go to gibeon solomon went to an altar you don't have to go to a physical altar in hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15 he actually says that therefore through him let us offer the sacrifices of our praise that is what he tells us meaning that the lord jesus didn't just only create the way and become the high priest eh? he also is our outer and that is what you need but more so in john chapter uh, 14 uh, chapter 1 and verse 14 he has a wonderful wonderful magnanimous message here for us that i want us to look at here in john chapter 1 and verse 14. i could actually take it from verse uh, 12 for perspective uh, for us to be able to get the complete picture uh, here uh, right here and now 
The Bible says in John 1 and verse uh, 12, uh, let me just take it from verse 10 uh, to 14. 14 is our key verse. He says here, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own, speaking of Jesus. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became flesh and made his home among us. Yes. Now NIV says, and dwelt among us. I think King James says, and tabernacled with us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory and the glory of the Father, the Father's one and only Son. Now listen to this. When the word came, uh, that is Jesus Christ, what he actually did was uh, that uh, he basically dwelt with us. But that was for a moment. But he tells his disciples in John 14 as he was leaving, and he said, you know what, I'm not going to uh, simply leave you, believe in me, and believe in my Father also, because in my Father's place there are lots of places. So I'm going to go and um, uh, prepare places for you. But then he says, there where I'm going, I shall come and take you also. Later he says, I shall not leave you as orphans, but I shall send you a, a mighty messenger, a counselor, speaking of the Holy Spirit. Friends, when the Spirit of God comes, he doesn't tabernacle anywhere else. He doesn't live in stone temples, in brick and uh, water temples. He comes and he lives in your body, in my body, as long as you believe in Christ as a living temple. Want a magnanimous truth in our lives. Praise the Lord. About this St. Paul affirms, and he says in First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 15, that don't you know that your bodies are the living temples of God? Now what God actually wants to do, and what he's telling us right now is that we are living temples as long as we have Christ Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. You don't need to first go to the church as in a building, a physical building, a stone temple, or whatever it is. God has come to tabernacle in the midst of his people for now. And later, he's going to come in the fullness of his presence to tabernacle with his people. He speaks of this in the book of Revelation, when the Lord is going to come and tabernacle with his people, abide with them. Isaiah chapter 11 speaks of what is going to happen when the Lord actually comes back to rain down here on earth and we are going to live in perfect peace. This is what he actually means here, my dear friend. What is it that is consuming your life today? What is it that is consuming your prayer? Are you praying in a selfish way? God, give me this and give me the other. Let me tell you, many of us are bound and we think you can only pray on Sunday. God is saying, I want to tabernacle in you. What a glorious, glorious privilege that the Lord has bestowed upon us. My prayer is today that you'll open up your heart. I'm speaking to a brother, to a sister that has known the Lord for a long time, but you're full of challenges and problems right now but you think you're going to wait for the pastor on sunday no just let the lord tabernacle in you let him come and dwell in you talk to him tell him daddy this is it's about my loan it's about it's about my husband my wife it's about uh, these enemies it's about uh, this land problem tell him and you're going to give him time and let him speak back unto you and you're going to realize that the lord is going to come through for you my dear friend this is the message that we had I want to pray that God will bless you. For those of you that don't have Christ, it's going to be very hard. 
You cannot use a physical altar today, but just surrender unto the Lord in his might and let him come and take control. We surrender to you, King of glory. May you release your peace upon our lives, O Lord. And I pray that even as we seek you today, we shall focus on you and you alone. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. For those of you that don't have Christ Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, tell him, Lord, today I surrender to you. I believe that you died and resurrected once again. And now I pray that you come reign in me as Lord and Savior. I declare that I'm born again. May you reign in my life and help me to live as a living temple and connect with you all the time through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have prayed and believed. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May you live a life that delights him, a life of a tabernacle, and one that seeks the Lord all the time. God bless you.